0: All right, welcome back to the Ohio Win. I am Chris. Got Craig with me today. Craig, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you, Chris?
0: Uh, I I am I am doing. <laughs> it's been a it's been a fun <laughs> past couple days. Been good past couple days. Yeah. It's good to be alive. Well, Craig, it's been interesting. One of the guys we've talked about in the show, and he's one of the politicians that you probably either love or you hate, nothing in between, is our friend Josh Mandel, who's been. Uh, what else has he done? He's been a treasurer. He's been a, uh, I think he's been in the house for a little bit. Uh, he took some time off from politics, but now he's um, running for U.S. Senate and in a race that right now not many people are running for. So over the weekend, um, he was down in Florida. Um, the Republicans had a big uh, get-together. I think President Trump spoke there and um, apparently it was for the high rollers. Uh, you had to be a big donor to go. Well, Mary Timpkin, one of his opponents, um, she's a big donor. Um, so she was able to go. Um, pl- a plus for Mary Timpkin, she's also running for senate. So, Jane, Jane go. Go. Oh, Jane Timpkin. Why do I have Mary Timpkin on my mind? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, Jane Timpkin. Maybe I'm thinking of Mary Jane I'm not sure if she goes by Mary Jane But it's Jane Timken, not Mary Timken Thank you, Craig, for correcting me on that All right, so Jane Timken's also running Jane Timken is a high roller Uh, She donates money to the Republican Party She gets the invite Josh Mandel doesn't get the invite You might say, well, wait a minute Josh Mandel and Mary (laughs) Sorry, Jane Timken are all running for uh, Senate Well, Jane's a big donor Josh Mandel's not. So, long story short, you know, they're they're out there. They're hobnobbing and everything else. They look at the guest list and they say, hey, Josh Mandel is not <coughs> able to go. So, Josh gets asked to leave. And Jane Heupkin stays and hangs out. So, I don't know. Kind of a, a weird story. Kind of a, you know, not... It's not going to be a ton. I am mean, Josh Mandel so loud to run. Uh, he can still win. Yeah, you know, everything's fine. But it's one of those talkers that, you know, you, you're probably a little frustrated if you're a Josh Mandel fan. If you don't like Josh Mandel, you're probably high-fiving each other, going, hey, this is great. Well, What's your reaction? Kind of a fun little weird story of the weekend.
1: Yeah, I didn't really know what to make of this when I first saw it. But, uh, you know, I guess at the end of the day, I don't know if this is going to bode well for for Jane Timken or not bode well for Josh Mandel during this race. Like, you know, I guess they have a decision to make with, you know, she's a major donor. She's a little bit more out there in the spotlight. So she was allowed to stay. He wasn't because he, I guess, just simply does not really do any of that. So, you know, it doesn't seem like a a, – Maybe more much ado about nothing, but you know at the end of the day, this is his opportunity to to probably hobnob with some of the top Republicans out there to maybe seek that financial backing that he may feel like he needs for a race and i don 't know if it has anything to do with his um, his tweet nine hours ago, but uh, uh he tweeted uh <clears throat> a little bit before midnight uh, on Sunday night here. Saying that all lives matters. I don't know if that necessarily is a direct reflection of what just happened when getting kicked out of this, uh, you Ooh. know, RNC event, or if he's, you know, just making mention of his belief that all lives matter. I don't really know what to think of it, but uh, interesting. He's been interesting on Twitter, to say the least. Uh, I think a lot of what he's doing right now is just trying to ruffle as many feathers as he can. I don't know if it's to try and maybe get, you know, the attention of Donald Trump or not to to see if the former president might, you know, back him in in a U.S. Senate race or, you know, at least maybe endorse him to some degree. But, you know, he's just been very wild on Twitter lately. And I think he's trying to build up a a sort of a fan base of of Trump supporters to, you know, to maybe lead him all the way to the top with Trump and and maybe – have that be his way of getting in, you know, to this U S Senate race and really winning.
0: Yeah. I think they're all, and you're right. It's probably, you know, maybe some ways to catch the attention of Trump because it seems to a lot of people in the Republican party, they really value this endorsement of him, you know, former president Trump. Um, Yeah. Because I see um, Bernie Marino, uh, the uh, con the um, business guy from Cleveland, actually came out and he's running now on the Republican side. And also, J.D. Vance, uh, the author of Hillbilly Elegy, uh, looking for that exact tweet. um, uh, You know, he's he's had a couple of them recently. (laughs) Uh, He had one very um, uh, supportive of Tucker Carlson. Uh, He had (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not sure what the latest controversy of Tucker Carlson is um, We cover Ohio We don't have time to cover all of Tucker Carlson's um, Controversies But uh, yeah, very supportive Of Tucker Carlson tweet And honestly, I'm looking for his timeline right now He's got a lot of supportive uh, Just general Republican tweets Which is fine um, And so it sounds like you know, Between Vance and Marino And um, you know Mandel and Timken. They're all kind of courting the Trump vote. They're courting the Trump support. Um, you know, hey, whoever Trump endorses probably has a decent chance, to be honest with you. Uh, so it, it's weird. So yeah, but who knows where the all Lives matter come from. I mean, I know that's something that um, a lot of big Trump supporters are supportive of, so maybe, you know, you, you throw online. hopefully everyone retweets it. Yeah, I, I guess that was the rationale there. I don't know. Right. Let's leave it at this because, again, we're apolitical. We report what happens. Kind of a, a music story, I guess, shall I say, over the weekend. Um, what bothers me, and honestly, Craig, this is a no duh. We've known this. This isn't a surprise. But it's just more evidence that to play this game, and when I mean play this game, I mean to be out in front of a politician, be able to talk to them, interact with them, you got to have money. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm not just for Republicans, I'm sure Democrats are the same way. I mean, I, I'm sure they're not doing a, hey, for two bucks you get to meet Joe Biden. I mean, yeah, you have to donate money and donate big money. And, and I guess the thing that bothers me, you know, again, I'm not speaking out necessarily in favor of Josh Mandel. I'm just saying overall, in general, to interact with, with politicians, to... Get your voice in front of politics. You have to have money. And you might sit there and say, Well, wait a minute, you guys are journalists. You have the freedom of the press. You can reach out to them. You can talk to them. I mean, yeah, you're doing it from apolitical means, but at least you can pick up the phone and call. Honestly, it's not the case. Uh, I don't want to necessarily mention names, but you know, Craig and I were working on a story for Gannett the other day. And, you know, there's one politician. And I had the great idea saying, Hey, let's reach out to this politician. And, you know, Craig said, oh, it's not going to happen. And one of our other political writers said, it's probably not going to happen. We made the attempt, which we had to. But not surprisingly enough, we didn't get a quote from that politician. And, you know, a lot of times media people try. And there's a lot of politicians out there that say, we don't need the media. And, again, you could feel that way. You could say that way. But the media is the checks and balances on politicians out there. And you might say, hey, I mean, neither we're not, but that doesn't mean if you don't need the media, we just sit there and say, oh, well, we don't have the quote, so we can't report anything. No, we still report things. We still find out what's happening. So I don't know. It's, just, it's a little frustrating, not just for us as members of media, but just the general public saying, okay, where is our access to politicians? You know, if I have a concern, how how can I make it? And it it's just, again, I'm not saying poor Josh Mandel. I'm just saying it's more evidence of where we're at as a political system here in our country.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, you know, that's the game that they're playing. And if Josh Mandel doesn't like the fact that he was not allowed to go to this uh, retreat or this event, then, you know, maybe he just doesn't need to run. Or, you know, it could have been Jane Timken that got kicked out and he got to stay you know, so the roles could have been reversed. And, you know, if you don't like it, then you don't need to be a part of it. And, you know, I I hope that he wouldn't complain about this, because I think by now he knows how this race is going to be run. And I think he knows how politics are run. And like you said, you know, money is king. And, you know, I think that's probably why he's taking to Twitter right now all the time and trying to Sort of outlandishly get himself suspended, or you know you know catch the attention of Donald Trump because he knows he doesn't have the the big financial backing or he doesn't have the the you know the qualifications i guess to to meet for these financial retreats, so I think he's trying to get a little creative and getting everybody's attention, which I don't blame him,
0: yeah, interesting times we'll say so us uh, know what you think, and again we are- Politics are very important to Ohio, so we're not afraid of covering politics. We're, but we want to hear what you have to think. And like I said, we're trying to look at this more analytically. Hey, if you're a big Republican or Democrat fan, great. You can give your opinion. But we're trying to look at what it means for Ohio in general. So be mindful of that. And again, we're not one side ever. We're just right down the middle. But we really want to hear what you think about this. Um, what do you think this means for Josh Mandel and I, what can we take from it other than just a kind of interesting story either way? So let us know. Thanks for checking us out to Ohio. We'll be back shortly for another segment. Have a good one.
2: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast, based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend Byron Macaulay.
0: Hey Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun.
2: We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.
0: All right, back on the Ohio and some, some technology news. Hulu has been always been this big, um, streaming service. Um, Man, I remember when streaming first got popular, Jesus, it was about 10 years ago, my wife and I had an early Netflix subscription where we could stream at early Hulu. But Hulu's not going away by any means, but there's a new report out there saying data says that Disney Plus, which you know started about a year or so ago, it has now overtaken Hulu as the third largest SVOD. So is that streaming video on demand? I'm yes. I'm assuming Service in the country So kind of big news uh, Netflix is number one Prime Video is number two And Disney just a little bit above Hulu um, HBO Max is fifth I'm wondering if that's going to change Because we keep hearing reports about a new uh, Ad support service coming out so, right. yeah, I know. And Peacock Which I'm sure is going to be growing too Apple TV Interesting I've got a year free membership to it uh, it doesn't have as much content, though. But right.
1: what do you think about the rise of Disney? Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I wonder if the Disney rise has also been an incline because of Hulu. Because Disney and Hulu have a partnership Yeah, where you can get the, the Disney Plus bundle, which is actually something I have with my phone plan, my Verizon phone plan. So I have the Disney Plus, ESPN, and Hulu bundle. All in one. So I wonder if if the partnership between those two, maybe it's helped out Disney. Maybe it's helped out Hulu. Maybe it's just helped out both. You know, it, it could be that Disney is just you know, and I don't know if this is maybe looking at individual subscriptions per you know per Netflix, you know, Prime and Disney and Hulu. It may be that you know that's how they do the data, but um, you know, I think Disney has. Has carved out an edge and I think uh, the biggest problem I think Disney had was when they first launched they were really the nostalgia launch they had all their Disney stuff their Pixar movies some old shows and then they of course had the Mandalorian which was sort of their big you know original selling point but now I think you're starting to see the shift towards Disney because you know they have more and more originally has sort of you know jumped up a little bit because at the end of the day Kids always kind of grow up on Disney, whether they're my age or anybody's age or, you know, a millennial, whatever it may be, a, a Gen Z. And I think that for for families, you know, they, they find Disney to be a, a solid value, whether they get the Disney Plus bundle or not. I think they probably look at Disney as being a, a, you know, a pretty solid, you know, financial investment, knowing that there's all the Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, Disney princess movies are all out there. <laughs> Along yeah. with some of the original content and some of the nostalgia kind of content that they offer. And they're offering, and I'm careful when I say
0: this. Whenever you say adult content, you're thinking pornography or something. But right. there's more adult content in terms of like other type of shows. Like, they had Taylor Swift. I know some kids like Taylor Swift. But there there were some curse words in a documentary that she had. And I don't mean to be prudish, but, you know... When you think about Disney, you think about, you know, all right, I could get my eight-year-old entertained, and now, you know, it, it, not everything is necessarily like that. So I'm wondering if – I understand Disney going down that road. You want people to more people, we're all in the battle for content. You know, the more content we can get, the more people would like. So I totally understand that. I'm kind of wondering – like, there's a channel out there called Freeform. I'm like, what is this? Where did this come from? Well, literally Freeform got its name from ABC Family. Because right. Because ABC Family started with all these family shows. And then they got into a little bit more racier content, I guess. And because of that, you know, people are like, what the heck? Why is this on ABC Family? You know, why is there a sex scene on ABC Family everywhere? Right. So they decided to change their name. Now, Disney Plus content isn't like that, that I can understand. But you know, they've got stuff that's definitely more than eight-year-olds. And I know Disney as a brand name, is great because, you know, you know like, like Peacock. Yeah, Peacock is kind of a, a symbol of NBC, but you don't, like the first time you hear it, unless you're like, oh, that's the NBC logo, you're like, oh, what's a Peacock? Well, Disney, you don't have to worry about. Disney is right. Disney. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering if the more it goes to non-kids content, if it's going to freak some people out, But I guess it's Disney, so that's almost a recognizable name as Netflix. So what the future holds for something like a Disney Plus?
1: You know, you could maybe argue, and and this is aside from, you know, some of the Marvel movies, which obviously probably you could argue about a hard PG-13 as you can get. Because at the end of the day, what's going on in these movies? Well, they're killing things, whether it's aliens or monsters or whatever it may be. And so it's kind of a hard PG-13 and it's PG-13 because it's science fiction-y violence. It's not, you know, a human being getting slaughtered essentially. So I think they're, they're able to toe the line with those, but yeah, you could probably make the argument that the, the really non Disney content that they had or even Disney content that they had that probably was the most raciest that they've had since the, the launch of Disney plus was probably the Simpsons. And that's, you know, a show that sort of depicts violence against children and, you know, foul language or, you know, thematical language, if you will. So, you know, that's probably been the only thing that they've had on their on their programming right now that you could probably say is not necessarily 100% for kids, um, even though, you know, you could probably make the argument that The Simpsons is, is harmless. It's a cartoon show. It's not really meant to depict real life, so to speak. But You know, I know that they are offering um, their new service or it's part of their Disney Plus service or they're going to be offering it um, in Europe right now is that it's called Star, where they're going to have sort of the introduction to a lot of a lot more adult oriented content. Like I know Family Guy is going to go on that, um, but they haven't really said whether or not that Star is going to launch in the United States. And a lot of people are kind of wondering because Disney Plus did up their pay scale uh, by a dollar or so, um, recently I think it started la- late in March maybe or early March when they started this upgraded pay scale for uh, for the United States subscribers. So I kind of wonder if they're getting to that verge where they're going to get this uh, star. It's not really a network. It's it's just a, a package of, of additional shows and programming that more is for the adults that you know Family Guy things like that. Uh, also some movies that are a little bit more like. Harder PG thirteen or R rated, so I kind of wonder if you're going to see that, and then if you do see that, we've already seen an uptick in the price. I I kind of wonder if you're going to see another uptick in the price for Disney Plus because, you know, I remember when they first announced it, I was a little surprised that their price point was going to be, you know, I think it was what five ninety nine or six ninety nine or whatever it was, and it seemed like a, a little bit too good to be true to be able to get your Star Wars and your Marvel and some of your, your Disney movies and your nostalgia movies, you know, all for that kind of a price point.
0: Yeah, and I'm seeing some reports here to look at that in America. I mean, I'm seeing an a 18-plus. I'm not sure if that's a brand name or if that's just more saying, hey, it'll be our rated content more friendly to 18-plus. So I, I'm seeing, are they saying that they will be password protected? So you're not necessarily buying another service. There's just a password on there. So little kids don't stumble across a R-rated movie, right? I mean, is it part yeah. of
1: service? Yeah, you know there'll be some, you know, adult, you know, supervision kind of things. I know Paramount Plus even has a thing where when you create a profile, you can create that profile to only show kids programming, oh. and it could be, you know, kids seven and older. It could be kids seven and younger. So I, I would guess that you know Disney Plus will either have either has something like that already or you know you can put the parental locks on there to control what you know who's watching what so i guess as my kids get older because my
0: eight-year-old doesn't know how to work the remote she likes playing with the remote but she doesn't know enough to say well on youtube she does she'll actually pick shows out so when she's just remote we're, we're careful about what she's watching or not watching um, but I, but she's not a big remote user and other services. She doesn't want really to know. But I guess other services are similar. So I guess for me and other parents out there, get your passwords ready. Make sure your kids don't have your passwords. So you know your kid doesn't stumble across content they shouldn't. So very interesting. Well, let's what lesson do you think. Um, you know, should Disney Plus have already movies at all? Should um, you know? I think all services are trying to appeal to more people, so they keep getting that monthly fee. So, what do you think? Is Disney going too far? Um, Is this okay? Um, Do you think Disney Plus could still be more popular than Hulu? Let us know. I mean, again, whenever streaming stuff happens, that's something that's always of interest to us, and we'll keep talking about it. So, let us know what you think, and thanks for checking out the Highland. We'll be back shortly. Thanks.
2: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. our podcast, and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.
0: All right. Welcome back to the Ohioan. I'm here with um, How Things Work the Ohio Statehouse co-founder, Rachel Coyle. Rachel, how's it going this week?
3: It's busy as usual. How about you?
0: Good. You know, it's funny. There's not – you know, we're recording this Thursday night, and there hasn't been that, oh, my goodness – big headline this week. And we were like, boy, what do we talk about? But it seems like there's always these underlying issues that, you know, we're talking about that, you know, have become a big thing. I know in Ohio, uh, we did a story the other day. One of the things they're discussing is medical marijuana. Obviously that's a controversial issue among people. And they're talking about how they should identify what's okay and what's not. And, you know, we're looking at things like autism and other stuff like that. Uh, What have you heard about what's happening with that?
3: Yes, so Ohio has a very restrictive list of conditions that qualify for our medical marijuana program. The program is still fairly new. I believe it was 2016 when they passed it. And they have been, there have been attempts to add conditions, uh, especially mental health conditions, uh, but also several other medical conditions as well to the list of reasons why it would be acceptable to get medical marijuana in Ohio. And one of the conditions that has the most support is autism uh, for folks, specifically sometimes younger children, even uh, who are on the autism spectrum to use medical marijuana uh, for for their condition to help improve their, their everyday lives. And the problem is that the U.S. government still classifies medical mar- or marijuana as a schedule one substance. So level as heroin, same level as drugs that are incredibly addictive and have no medical use or benefits. So it's really hard to study marijuana. Um, It's really hard to use these research to get this research that would prove uh, that there's actually medical benefits, even though we know from other countries, uh, from states that are doing this anyway, we know there are benefits but it's hard to get enough data to prove it because it's still classified in such a way.
0: Is there a problem? And you've said this, but is there a problem with like a deeper education of what's going on with this? And what what I mean by that is I'll be honest with you. Like my daughter, she's eight, she has autism and you know, somebody approached her and said, well, not approach us, not her individually, that'd be kind of weird, but somebody approached us and said, Hey, maybe you can help her by giving you medical marijuana. And, you know, I'm a journalist. I read up on this stuff. But my immediate thought was, oh, man, my daughter's going to be smoking a blunt. We can't have an eight-year-old do that. That's really bad. And obviously medical marijuana is used differently. It's taken differently and everything else. So what's the best way to maybe educate people? Because even me, who's someone who you think I would know better, it's hard to kind of understand sometimes and, and understand what exactly it means. I mean, is that something that the drug industry, like the medical industry, needs to invest more time in? Like, I'm trying to figure out how to make that make more sense to the general public, and maybe that'll help influence legislators to make changes too.
3: Absolutely. When you think of marijuana, you're right; you think of a blunt. Uh, but yeah. medical marijuana, you know, a lot of it's a lot of the forms that it's used and t- prescribed in. They actually take out the part of the the drug that has the you know, the, the part that people do it recreationally for, um, so it actually wouldn't have any of those side effects. Um, and that you're right, that will require education, but part of the problem again is because it's still, it's still illegal at the federal level, it's still considered a schedule one substance. So up there with the drug, the illegal drugs that are being sold on the streets, it's hard to get medical professionals Who are comfortable with going out publicly and doing those education campaigns to teach folks about medical marijuana and how it's used in a a medical sense um, for these different conditions, because it's risky. You are asking medical professionals to go out and talk publicly about the benefits of something that's technically a federal crime. So it's really created a lot of issues uh, with states going ahead and passing these, these legalization laws while the federal government is still behind on this issue.
0: Okay. And and the other thing that's interesting is, I remember the first day where you could buy medical marijuana in Ohio, and a lot of excitement, a lot of people were there. One of the things that kind of struck us as reporters and some of our readers was, man, it costs more. And Mm -hmm. part of it probably was there was less supply and everything. Uh, Do you know of anything that's being done to kind of Help that cause because really it was kind of tough for people to let alone afford. I mean, let alone see if if it's beneficial or not. I mean, I'm not sure if that's happening in the legislature or has anything been done on that yet?
3: Yes, there's a couple different bills, at least being discussed in the state house. One is that bill that would legalize or that would allow uh, autism to be one of the conditions where you could get medical marijuana. But there's more bills being discussed that are more broader reaching that would kind of overhaul the whole system. Uh, bipartisan bills that I believe are even being led by Republicans that would help lower the costs. They would help change who is overseeing the system, who is you know creating the product, try to help deregulate it a little bit so that it's less complicated. And that will hopefully bring down the costs. There are a lot of you know, is a big deal that we pass medical marijuana at all. I remember the process back in 2015. Uh, they went on a long listening tour and heard from citizens, but there was still a lot of fear around the program. So they, I think in order to comfort some folks in the legislature, they made it a really burdensome system in a lot of ways. And now they're trying to kind of fix some of those issues that they had from the original law and hopefully cost will be part of that. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that would be helpful. And I'm kind of wondering, too, I know that there was, I think it was because of COVID, there was kind of a limit on how many could open. Um, Mm -hmm. Not that there was problems, it's just, you know, COVID's turned everything up for a loop. I mean, we're kind of rethinking the way we're doing everything. I'm wondering if when more of those places can open, the price may go down just of a simple supply versus demand. I mean, if there's something in demand, you can't find it, you're probably going to be paying more than if there's, more of that stuff available. And, you know, the demand isn't quite as high. I mean, could that help you think?
3: Yes. It'll also help with access. Uh, one of the legislators who is thinking of doing this overhaul bill said that one of the major complaints he gets beyond the cost is that folks still have to drive several yeah. hours across the state to get uh, the pro- the product, the prescription that their doctor recommends for them. And so hopefully if we can expand who's able to provide uh, this medicine that will that will help with cost, like you said, supply and demand, it'll also help with access and ease of patients actually being able to get to what their doctor recommends for them.
0: Right, I think, you know, like we talked about before, it's education, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously medical marijuana is not going to solve every issue in the world. It's not like saying, hey, avoid medicine, just use medical marijuana, you're fine. But there are things that it does help, There are things that, you know, if you educate yourself, and maybe that's something that will help you more than what you're taking now. So, yeah, I I think it could be helpful. I I think there's a lot of maybe not misinformation, but just kind of misconception because, you know, we're looking at something that 10 years ago you're you're arrested for where now it's different. And, again, not that we were being arrested for medical marijuana, but it was just, you know, the rules have changed, I guess, in the last 10 years. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what um, ends up developing there. Um what do you see maybe in the next week coming up is there anything scheduled or or something that you think might become a bigger topic as next week rolls around
3: Well the house is coming back uh here shortly they were on a little bit of a spring break for a few days there um and that is the budget is going to get really intense here soon uh there's going to be the house is going to introduce a new version of the budget bill um, a substitute bill and so we can expect a lot of the advocacy organizations to get really fired up about different things that are, are are not in this new version of the budget. So I'm looking forward to that here in the next week or two.
0: I got a random question I need to ask. It's state politics related. We've said a lot in our show about John Houston and the tweet that he sent out about the Wuhan virus is at best misguided I mean, I think you could say, and probably an on this moment, maybe um, you know, lieutenant governor would admit that as well too. I'm kind of wondering. I know our focus here is on state politics. Do you? Is anybody thinking in their back of their mind that because he's addressing those issues, that maybe he's kind of looking past his time as lieutenant governor? I maybe I'm off base here, but I'm kind of sitting here thinking. It's an odd thing to comment on, and granted, here in Ohio, we're dealing with COVID 19, obviously, taking up a lot of our time. But you know, just suggesting where it may have come from, it kind of makes me think, is he maybe angling for something else down the road? Because usually, when you make tweets like that that isn't related to what you're doing, you know, I'm not sure if it's ascendancy or whatever else. I mean, has that made me think? I mean, besides the, hey, was it a great tweet or not, which I think we all commit was kind of strange. I mean, it's kind of making me think, is he looking at sentencing? Is he looking at something down the road? I, I, I To me, that was another strange part of this whole
3: saga. It's certainly possible. I hope not. I don't like to think that people who are looking at running for higher office feel the need to tweet things that are misguided at... At best, um, yeah, and it, right? It's ho- I'm hopeful that that's not what was happening. That maybe it was just a, a tweet that was out there, and now they feel a need to defend it. Uh, but it's anything is possible.
0: Yeah, it, it was just funny because, like, you know, again, we're taping this Thursday. Who knows what will happen by the time we listen to it? But like today in the press conference, he kind of we talked about doubling down. He kind of tripled down <laughs> his comments. And yep. again, yes, we could sit here and talk for the next four hours on on how. It it can inadvertently cause people harm. Even if his thought was in the I'm um, doing quotes as it says, even if he had good intentions of the way he did it. When you make comments like that, words matter. And you know, it can pose harm to groups of people, wh- which makes it troubling. I, I, I just kind of looked at it and I'm saying it's a strange thing to come out and talk about however he talked about it. And you know, we looked this week at um some changes, you know, Amy Acton's not running. For U.S. Senate, which, and then you kind of think of, you've got two relatively inexperienced people on the Republican side, like Jane Timken and uh, Josh Mandel, and you're kind of like, you you kind of scratch your head when you see things like happen with everything else happening. So, who knows? It'll be different.
3: It is. It is damaging. You know, there we've seen an increase in hate against Asian American folks in Ohio and nationwide. Uh, There are legislators in the House and the Senate introducing bills to create uh, AAPI commissions. So commissions that would help to kind of address this, these increased prejudice that we're seeing in the state. And then you've got elected officials, you know, perpetuating the stereotypes. And that is, uh, it's problematic. It really is. So I, I'm surprised that he doubled down, but here we are. Yeah. And I,
0: yeah. And that's definitely where things can go haywire with, with things like that. I just, yeah. Well, again, I, I bring that up kind of off the wall just to say I'm always looking at the future of elected officials. And, you know, the throwaway comment I'll just leave at the end is if you're holding a government responsible, this thing's happened for a year. Think back to nine eleven. You know, we had that attack. It took one day to point out who we thought was to blame. It took one day to launch an attack. It's been a year, you know, and that doesn't mean you can't hold the government responsible, but it's strange to kind of debate that a year after something happened. I, I don't know. Yeah. it are been a weird As we always. Well, Rachel, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, as always, uh, for talking to us here at the Ohioan. And, again, keep. Uh, tune for segments every day and uh, check our Hope Interrupted podcast um, as they talk about how to communicate cross-culturally and communicate when we all agree with someone politically. Uh, it's something we do every day and honestly, whatever we say can be controversial and it gives good help for uh, advice for how to help doing that. Alright, Rachel, thanks for your time. Have a great day and thanks for checking out the Ohioan.
3: Thank you.